It's time for Black and White, a show that wants to bring all of us together talking again. It's time to hear from people who only want to deal with facts. It's time for you to re-engage in America. It's time for Dan and Daryl. Welcome back. Joining us today is a gentleman who's been on our show before, Drew Allen. And uh, we've, we're going to talk about two things. We have two segments today. And we're going to, first thing we're going to talk about is the Wisconsin, quote, vigilante case. Drew, welcome back to the program. Hey, good to be with you, Dan. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So tell me your take on the Rittenhouse case. Yeah, well, it's, it's absolutely egregious. You know, there should be no case against Kyle Rittenhouse to begin with. I mean, the fact that we have video evidence from multiple angles covering the entire incident of the night, it leaves nothing, it leaves nothing to even the imagination. You know, this guy, the only thing you can say about Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, the, the worst thing you can say is that, you know, okay, maybe, maybe he shouldn't have gone down there. I don't even, I don't even want to entertain that argument. The point is the kid did nothing wrong. He committed the new act, the new, uh, you know, egregious violation, constitutional violation of self-defense. Uh, I mean, this guy was being chased through the streets uh, by people that were armed, that had guns. He had a gun stuck in his face. The guy on the stand, I don't remember his name, whatever the, whatever the, the you know, the other white guy is, you know, this, this act of white supremacy that left, uh, uh, you know, it was just a white on white crime here. You know, this individual testified under oath, you know, that he put his gun to Kyle Rittenhouse's face and only then did Kyle Rittenhouse actually uh, fire back in self-defense? And then he goes out on CNN and NBC and does the circuit, and then he changes his story because he's no longer under oath. And that's that's what 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 the left has been doing for a long time, anyway. Even if you go back to example for, to for example, uh, you know the Russia collusion story. You know the truth is the Democrats behind closed doors they they actually told the truth. Uh, but when they came out and they were on, on the news cameras, Adam Schiff and these people, they were so certain, right? Russia collusion, the Steele dossier, this is real. We have incriminating evidence against Don, Donald, uh, Donald Trump. And so anyway, this is an absolute sham. But, but, but what this tells me, Dan, the left is so focused on their narrative. They're so focused on, on proliferating whatever lie of the day it is for them. In this case, it's white supremacy. It's an anti-Second Amendment uh, uh, issue. And so they're willing to destroy some young man's life, just like they did with the young man who sued for $250 million, right? They got into a, some altercation with the, the alleged Native American on the Capitol. Um, you know, it's the same thing. They're willing to destroy this young man's life, lie about it, do anything just to push forward their narrative. The truth is irrelevant to the left. Well, I, I, I understand with you and, and, and agree with you, but I, I want to... I want to throw out not a monkey wrench, but something to think about. In the United States today, a young man or a young woman can in volunteer for military service at 18 years of age. And we ask him to go into battle, potentially risking his life for his country. I wonder back in history, if we look at the continental soldiers, the militia that were put together to try and save this country. I wonder if any of them were under 18 years of age who fought for this country. And this young man stood up for what he believed. He had a, he had a value-based principle and he thought what was going on was not the right thing to be done. And when he went there and saw what was going on, he didn't immediately go out and start to try and shoot anybody. He, he helped 
tried to help people who were injured. He tried to help clean up the mess. It was only after they started to come after him that he exercises his right under the Second Amendment to protect himself, to keep him bare arms. Um, but I think you're right. Uh, we, we, in a sense, you're right that, that he was trying to do what he thought was right for not only for himself, for his community, for his country to stand up. But at the same time, he was clearly patriotic in what he was doing. His emotion about the fact that he shot this, these two men on the stand, but his life was threatened. And that's really what the Second Amendment, as we look at it today, do you have the right to defend yourself if somebody comes to do you or your family bodily harm? And the answer is yes. I'm, I'm actually a little upset that the judge didn't dismiss all the charges. Yeah, it's, it's a little bizarre right now what's happening with, uh, you know, he, he's kind of slowly get, getting rid of a charge at a time, it seems like. But, but I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I think the fact that this is even happening and that the American people are even, even having to witness this circus right now, that is a grave injustice uh, uh, to our system of government and, and law and order to begin with. Because, again, he didn't do anything wrong. And, and, and if you watch that prosecutor throughout this case, honestly, it's embarrassing. It's truly yeah. embarrassing. And you can get into some of the tactics. Maybe he wanted a mistrial so we could start over again. And so he intentionally was going, uh, you know, intentionally wanted to look like the clown that he was. But at the end of the day, he was really trying to put very strangely the Second Amendment on trial is what it seemed to me. He was really, really asking him stupid questions, you know, about, about, oh, you know, you play video games with guns, right? And, uh, you know, what's your choice of the, the and he, he had, he was completely ignorant, by the way, about calibers, about guns. The guy's clearly never used one in his life, it seems like to me. Um, but, but it's an absolute embarrassment. And of course, the media has no problem trying to help this narrative along that, you know, another guilty white supremacist is going to get off the hook. And they're setting the stage once again for violence, which is ironic to me, Dan, because that's the very thing that brought Kyle Rittenhouse to Kenosha to begin with. Right. Now they're setting up a circumstance in which we have other riots. And at the end of the day, you know what? If the police had actually done their jobs, if the, 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 uh, the governor there had actually accepted Donald Trump's offer to take national troops, you know, we could have avoided this whole circumstance to begin with. But we're in a situation, and that's what the real takeaway from this trial, from what happened in Kenosha was and everything else, it's that the police, the National Guard, those instruments in this country that are actually tasked with, who actually have the responsibility with protecting our communities, well, they can't be relied upon anymore because it's been politicized. And so it's actually the only, the only defense that our communities are going to have is the American citizen, the militia, if you will. Right. And, and, and when you, you factor in the um, defunding the police and the, the retirements and the uh, people leaving and the crime rate that's going up, um, uh, it, it's, it's not going to get any, any better, I don't believe. Um, I want to go back to, though, your comment uh, very early on in this discussion when you said there's only white guys involved. So there, because there's not a black person involved, what are they going to riot against? Yeah, well, sadly, as we know from experience now, 
the truth does not matter. You know, when when the lieutenant governor elect Winsome Sears uh, in Virginia can be the black face of white supremacy. Um, it doesn't matter if there's any black individuals involved in the, the alleged uh, white supremacy act of Kyle Rittenhouse, because they'll just simply go along. I mean, I mean, these it's it is a really a startling situation that I haven't experienced. I mean, over the last few years, we're experiencing more and more and it's getting worse. But but people who, who literally have some capability to absolutely reject reality, reject what they see with their own eyes, hear with their own ears, and take in with their own senses for some narrative that comes from the left, from the media, from a tweet. And so they'll go with that instead of their own ability to comprehend and see for themselves. That's really amazing. People replacing this alternate reality with what they can actually just perceive for themselves. So we, we just have a couple of minutes in this segment. I, uh, to finish this up, I want to go back to the idea that um, what was clear out of the Virginia governor election and lieutenant governor and attorney general is that the people of Virginia were interested in a change and elected the first black woman as lieutenant governor. It, it seems to me that, that uh, the rhetoric has somewhat shut down. The initial, the, initial, um, um, the idea of, of attacking her because she was the, the, the black face of white supremacy. Um, if there are riots in, in Kenosha as a result of this trial, does that really hurt their cause because of where the country is headed right now? I think there's no way any kind of rioting has any kind of political advantage or benefit to them at this point. Um, we know it wasn't popular even going into the 2020 election. I mean, that was one of the major issues that was upsetting Americans throughout this country. People who were having their businesses destroyed, people who'd committed no crimes at all, who were just victims in all of this and seeing their property destroyed, coming under attack, their lives under attack and having these politicians who were doing nothing to come to their defense and protect them, who were essentially throwing them under the bus uh, for these militant groups, whether it's Antifa or BLM or you name it. Uh, so no, no, I mean, th these are all losing issues for them going forward, but the Democrat Party doesn't have anything else. They put all their eggs in these baskets, right? I mean, all of their ambitions and hopes and dreams since Trump was elected into office that, you know, the Trump derangement syndrome, it's all about this narrative that, that Trump is uh, some kind of dictator, Trump is an authoritarian, Trump is Hitler, and thereby all of his supporters are little Nazis, little uh, white supremacists. And if you don't vote Democrat, you're a white supremacist. I mean, that, that's how, how far they've taken this narrative. And they don't have anything left. They can't run on their merits. They can't run on their policies because they're all abject failures right now. And, and so this will hurt them, but they don't seem uh, to, to be deterred from, from pushing it regardless. Well, we're going to take a break uh, for a couple of commercials. Uh, continue our discussion with Drew. We'll be right back. 
Hello, this is Dan Perkins of Black and Whites Network. I want to tell you about one of our product sponsors, CV Sciences, and their exciting product called CV Acute. The news is full of the number of people who are getting Omnicon even though they were fully vaccinated. People who are looking for alternatives, something all natural, something that may help protect them even if you've had all of your shots. CV Acute is a supplement that is all natural. You use it at the onset. You take three doses a day for three days and you're done. Most of the science today is focusing on treatment during the first three to five days of the attack. If you want an all natural way to help your body fight the Omicron virus, then think about buying a bottle of CV Sciences Acute for each of your family members and have it on hand so you are ready if and when the attack comes. You can buy the amazing all-natural supplement at cvsciences.com. Do it now. Go to cvsciences.com and protect you and your entire family. Welcome back. And we're with Drew Allen. And we're going to talk now about the mandate in the Fifth Circuit over the past weekend, really putting a, a serious hold on anything that the administration could do. But I suggested to Drew before we started the show, if we go back to the CDC who put in the rent, rent uh, deferral and uh, the landlords went to court and the court agreed that they should, with the, with the landlords that they should start paying rent. The Biden administration directed the CDC to issue another order and basically blatantly said openly, didn't say it quietly openly, we don't care what the court says, we're going to do it again. Well, now we have the Fifth Circuit, who's put a severe restriction on the mandate, and they can do nothing. They can't write any words, they can't, they can't talk to anybody. They're, they're basically in a position where they're stuck until the court finally rules. And because there are conflict between the district courts, there's a feeling that we'll have to go to the Supreme Court to finally adjudicate it. But Drew, my, my concern is even if it goes to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court were to decide that the mandate is illegal, I think the Biden administration is gonna to say to hell with the Supreme Court, we're gonna do it anyway. Yeah, I, I think that it's gonna be a very, very um, telling moment because we've seen how how much this administration disregards the law, disregards the Constitution, that they're not interested in that whatsoever. You know, even when it comes to, um, you know, non-constitutional systems in place like the filibuster, you know, that are that are rules created um, in Congress, you know, they're trying to do away with those. And so this is really going to going to going to test the totalitarianism of this administration how far are they willing to go you know will it make a difference if the supreme court finally the case goes to them and they rule and they rule the same way will this deter the, the this this regime um i mean they, they're they, they're pretty much backed themselves into a corner because uh they've come out so so in such a radical way and without any ground uh, to change their mind or anything else, um, that they only have one one choice in their minds, and that is to continue to push forward with whatever they put on the docket. So if it's the vaccine mandates, you know, whether it's 100 plus employers or 100 and less now using OSHA uh, uh, to enforce that, 
they, they can't they can't possibly admit that they've been wrong. Uh, no. That's the hubris of this party and politicians in general, but the Democrat Party especially. Um, if they admit they're wrong, if if they allow, for example, Fauci or any of these people uh, to face prosecution at some point or or or, or anything of the sorts. I mean, the whole deck of cards falls, in my opinion, and they're not willing to do that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I'm concerned that, um, that as when I saw what happened with the landlords, I started to de- do some research and try and figure out what enforcement powers does the Supreme Court have if uh, the government decides to ignore a ruling from the Supreme Court, and it's basically contempt of court. And um, for the better part of two centuries in our history of our country, when the court, when the court, the high court made a, a determination, a lot of people may not have liked what they did, but they complied with the determination of the court. Here we're seeing a systematic destruction of the court and its power as part of the Constitution. And I think if they decide they're going to ignore the Constitution, ignore the court, and go ahead and enforce the mandates through OSHA, uh, what kind of a government do we have left, Drew? Yeah, well, that's where people start reading really carefully um, the Declaration of Independence um, and, and what right that gives us to deal with that situation down the road. And, you know, I, I, I've said so many times, Dan, and I think it's, it's proven more true every day that we have to live under this, this regime. You know, the founding fathers experienced far less tyranny than we're experiencing today uh, under our current government. And, you know, if the government's not willing to change their course and rectify things, I, I don't know what the alternatives are um, down the road. And, you know, that's a frightful thing to, to think about. But to your point, you know, you talk about the Supreme Court being the highest court in the land, right? The, 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 the Constitution was not built for amoral, unprincipled men. I mean, you can get into why we had slavery in this country for so long. I mean, you know, amoral people have been in our government before, and that's led to a lot of our problems. It depends upon a moral populace, both in government and also the citizenry, who swear their sacred lives and honor, you know, to defend the Constitution, to demand that it be adhered to. And we all have to do that. Otherwise, it unravels. I mean, honestly, the conversations I see on the right right now I think they're uh, appropriate and acceptable. But the point is, if you look at the left, they want the total annihilation and destruction of their political opposition. The way they talk about the right, the way they talk about conservatives, there is absolutely no room for compromise whatsoever. It's as serious of a, 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 a tear in this country as we experienced during the Civil War. And the choice is very much the same today. You know, it's freedom versus slavery, except it's going to be all citizens are going to be slaves uh, this this go around. And so they've proven that they are relentless, that their appetite for power is unsatiable. And so what is what are our options on the right? 
uh, we have to totally defeat them, in my opinion. I mean, we're dealing with communists and Marxists, okay? We're not dealing with just somebody who has a slight disagreement about whether the tax rate should be, you know, 30% or 31%. We're dealing with people who want to fundamentally transform the country from something that is American to something that is not American at all, that is, that is, has us living under authoritarianism as slaves going forward. And so this is what's what's scary to me is this conflict that's set up because it's basically this country will become become all thing or another, just like it was during Lincoln's time. And so either we're defeated, absolutely, or they're defeated, absolutely. But so long as these Democrats and these tyrants and these deep state individuals uh, are in positions of authority and power, we cannot sleep at night. I totally agree. It's it's a it's an interesting comparison that you did with the Civil War, <clears throat> one of my favorite subjects. Um, but I, I I look at uh, I just finished a commentary that's going out in the next day or so, and and I asked the question in the headline of the commentary: Why is it that Joe Biden hates Americans so much? That was the headline of the of the commentary, and and I really believe that he and the people that are around him believe that the American people are not capable of making the correct decisions. And so the decision-making power has to be taken away from Americans and given to the elite. And the elite have to fall in line, as you said, as the new slaves. They absolutely believe that. And that mentality's been around as long as mankind's, you know, walk this earth. And I can, I can think back to conversations I had with liberal Democrat friends as early as high school, in which they would say much the same, you know, I mean, we were all, you know, uh, elitist, um, educated at our college preparatory, all male school, right? So we were, we had that bond. But when it came to talking about other people, other Americans, other young people, I, I heard on so many countless occasions from friends of mine who were on the other end of the political spectrum, I've always been conservative, tell me, well, these people, they're just too stupid to think for themselves. They're too dumb. They need, they need to be told what to do. This mm -hmm. is 14, 15-year-old kids that I went to school with. Right. And you fast forward now, and they're not 14 and 15 anymore. They're grown adults with the same opinions who want to get involved in politics, who are actively engaged in politics, and that's what you have. You have this elitist attitude in which they, they look down on everyone else. And it's th that this, that's why I compare it to the Civil War as well, because it really is a plantation mentality, right? The plantation owner, what did they believe and say? They said, the slave is better off and happier in a system in which his or her life is governed by others, namely me. These poor slaves, they couldn't eat. They couldn't figure out how to scrounge a meal together without me. They couldn't give birth without me. They wouldn't have a place to live. They would just die without me telling them how to live their lives and what to do. And it is this absolute arrogance that we have been fighting against since the founding of this country. And it's still here today and it hasn't gone away. And that's, that's a battle that is never going to go away. But we've got to do a better job of educating, you know, our children and subsequent generations, because that's the only way 
to buy us some peace for a brief period of time, you know? So we have to get rid of critical race theory in the education system in this country. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm so tired of this Democrat Party lying, for example, and trying to suggest that they haven't been teaching it. They've been teaching it under other names. You know, this critical race theory has actually been around since Obama's years in office. You know, there were there were universities around this country who actually used Obama's book, Dreams for My Fathers, as kind of a textbook and a justification of teaching critical race theory. And, and, and these documents exist. So we've been teaching this for a long time. And yeah, we've got to get, it has no place here. You know, the left likes to sit here and act like, oh, if we don't teach critical race theory, you know, we're, we're irresponsible. We're not teaching people our history. Well, on, on the one hand, by the way, they're the ones tearing down statues of George Washington, of Abraham Lincoln, of Thomas Jefferson. So they can't have those statues anywhere to remind people of our history. But when it comes to teaching your children that don't know what racism is in a classroom setting, that if you're black or a minority, you're, a bo you're born a perpetual victim and your white classmate next to you, who's four and five years old, six years old, they're keeping you down. No, that has no place whatsoever. I mean, should, should the German, new, newborn German citizens today be taught that they're responsible for the Holocaust? No, every German still lives in shame over the Holocaust for the most part. You know, I've got German friends. I talk to them, you know, they deal with that every, every single day, but they're not responsible for what previous generations did. And frankly, we should celebrate, you know, we, we fought a war to get rid of slavery in this country. We had a civil rights movement amongst ourselves uh, 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 to get rid of race-based segregation and discrimination. We defeated the Nazis. We destroyed the Nazis. That's the only reason that things changed over there. They didn't fight amongst their own population to, 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 to right that wrong. We came in. We sacrificed our own people. But when it comes to America, we have shed our lives, our, shed our blood on this fertile land to right these wrongs. There is no reason for little children to be taught this kind of garbage. Well... I agree with you. Unfortunately, we're out of time. We've been uh, having a wonderful conversation with Drew Allen. Drew, how do people follow you and get in touch with you? Yeah, so they can find my podcast, The Drew Allen Show, uh, anywhere podcasts are, are found. And then, uh, the, you know, DrewThomasAllen.com is a great place to, to find me, reach out, email me, et cetera. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Dan. My pleasure as always. It always goes by fast. Thank you. Hello, this is Dan Perkins of Black and Whites Network. I want to tell you about one of our product sponsors, CV Sciences, and their exciting product called CV Acute. The news is full of the number of people who are getting Omnicon, even though they were fully vaccinated. People who are looking for alternatives, something all natural, something that may help protect them, even if you've had all of your shots. CV Acute is a supplement that is all natural. You use it at the onset. You take three doses a day for three days and you're done. Most of the science today is focusing on treatment during the first three to five days of the attack. If you want an all natural way to help your body fight the Omicron virus, then think about buying a bottle of CV Sciences Acute for each of your family members and have it on hand so you are ready if and when the attack comes. You can buy the amazing all-natural supplement at cvsciences.com. Do it now. Go to cvsciences.com and protect 
you and your entire family. For Black and White, a show that wants to bring all of us together talking again. It's time to hear from people who only want to deal with facts. It's time for you to re-engage in America. It's time for Dan and Daryl. If you are interested in reaching our vast black and white network audience with your products or services, then contact Hollis Media Group at 1-855-673-8635. That's 1-855-673-8635 for more information on this great opportunity.